Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Hello. Hello. Okay. <laughs> hey, y'all. Okay, so I'm a little bit nervous. And like, no matter how many times I speak in front of people, I always still get nervous. So I made Pastor Noe a sign that said, slow down, but he lost it. So he's, so if I start talking too fast, you guys be like, slow down, because I got to fill my time. And I don't want to be like talking real fast. And then I only have like, I still have like 20 minutes left. So, okay. Slow down. <laughs> okay, so before I start, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to give a prophetic word. All week long, I've been, you know, as I've been praying and I prayed that I would not cry because I am a crier. Just so you guys know, if you don't know me, I am a crier. But um, all week long as I've been praying for today and as I've been praying for this moment and for the words that, you know, God had me to speak to you, there's one person that just constantly came, came to my mind. And I don't think he's here, Bobby Oros. I don't think he's here today, but I'm still going to say it because we're Facebook Live and he can watch it later. So, Bobby, I just, every single time I prayed for this week, you came to my mind and I just believed that it was God speaking to me, that he wanted to speak to you. And I didn't know what it was. I just knew that every week, every time I prayed this week, you came to my mind. And I would pray and I would ask God what it was that you wanted to speak, he wanted to speak to you. And I didn't hear anything until this morning. I heard God speak to me and say that he wants to take you further. He wants to take you further than you've been going and then he has taken you in the past. But in order to do that, you have to fill yourself up. And he, he brought to my mind like a tank whenever you're driving. You know, if you're just going to go across town, but you're on empty, you know, you don't really need to fill it all the way up. You just need to put a little bit of gas, go from point A to point B. You know, whenever you're just going from point A to point B, you know, just a short little space around town, you just fill up a little bit. You don't need a whole bunch of gas. But God is saying that he wants to take you on a journey. He wants to take you on a trip. And he's saying that in order for him to do that, that you have to fill yourself up completely with him, that all of yourself belongs to him and that he wants to take you further and he wants to go deeper in you and he wants to show you more than he's shown you before but in order to do that you have to fill your tank up to go on this journey with him you have to fill your tank up with him amen so i hope that you receive that bobby or us <laughs> so today i want to speak on first samuel 5 verses 1 through 1 through 4 in my homiletics class they always said that or the, the teacher always said, I, I never know how to do it. But anyways, he always said, if you say the, the verse like three times in the very beginning, they'll remember it. And so I'm always like, okay, how am I going to say the verse three times so that they remember where it is? But I never know. So I'm just going to say it three times now, okay? 1 Samuel 5, 1 through 4. 1 Samuel 5, 1 through 4. 1 Samuel 5, 1 through 4. Where are we reading today? Okay, so you guys are going to remember now where the Bible story is, right? Okay. So I'm just going to go on ahead and start reading it to you. Then the Philistines took the ark. Oh, sorry, backstory. So right before this, the Philistines and the Israelites, they got into a war. They got into a fight, into a battle, and the Israelites lost. But they had brought the ark of the covenant with them. And so the Philistines came, and they captured the ark of the covenant because they were like, wow, this thing is amazing. Look at how much it helps them. So they stole it. And the Israelites lost whenever they stole the ark of the covenant. And then, and so now, here we start to read, reading, the Philistines now have the Ark of the Covenant, okay? And the Ark of the Covenant is what? It's what held the presence of God 
in the Old Testament, okay, in the days of Moses and in the days of Samuel and, and in the days of King David, okay? So, then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the, into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it in its place again. And when they, they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both the palms of its, of its hands were broken off in the, on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left, was left of it. So if you guys don't know, there's, and the Philistines had many different gods, right? Little g. They had many different gods. They had gods that they worshipped. Dagon was one of them. He was like part fish, part human. I don't know. I, I like learned a little bit about him, but he was like a weird, a weird god, one of those weird gods, right? But he was a little god, and we serve God, big G, right? The God, the one true God. And so the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant and put it into the temple where our God, the one true God, was not the only God there, right? And God doesn't like to share his space, right? He doesn't like to share what belongs to him. He doesn't like to share his temple. And what are we? We are his temple, right? We are the temple of Christ. We are the temple. God lives within us. If you've accepted him into your life, you are the temple of Christ. You carry God with you wherever you go, right? And so today I just want to talk about how God is a jealous God, about how he doesn't like to share his space. He wants you to belong to him and to concentrate your, consecrate yourself to him, right? And so the Philistines, okay, I said that. It is, it is a commandment, right? <laughs> okay, you guys, I like to have a little bit of fun. Okay, so you can laugh. You can say amen. I like it whenever you guys like talk back to me. Amen, right? I'm used to like speaking in Brazil and in Africa where they're like loud. At least the roosters are like crowing in Africa. <laughs> like there's some kind of noise. So you guys can like, you know, talk back with me, okay? Thank you. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> Okay, so it is one of the commandments, right? It is, and yes, we live in the new, the new, new covenant, right? We live underneath the covenant of grace and of love and of the blood of Christ. But the commandments that are from the old covenant still stand, right? And one of them was what? To not have any other gods beside him, right? That was one of the great commandments. And so here I have a object lesson. I'm going to use some of the things that I learned while I was in Brazil. The pastora there, she used object lessons all the time. And every time she used them, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So I really learned a lot from her. <laughs> it just really hits at home. So, you know, whenever we were growing up in Sunday school, we always would learn about, about this. Don't have any other gods before us. And, but, you know, it's really simple to like, to realize that like if your car or your truck is becoming another God before you, right? Like that's something that's easy to catch on. But as we grow older, there's other things that aren't so noticeable to us that can become a God to us and that can take that place of God and that becomes an idol. What is an idol? An idol is just something that we put before God. It's something that takes our attention off of God. It's something that, you know, it, 
it carries a heavier weight in our life than God does. You know, we think back to, like, whenever we're making a decision, we think to that thing, or we just, you know, we make our decision based off, off of that thing, not based off of God and what God says. That can be an idol, right? And so one of the things that I have here for us, an idol, is money, right? Money is, is the, you know, the Bible says that, that money is what? The root of all evil, right? It can become a God so easy and you don't even catch it, right? It's, you're working. You work not, not to bring the presence of God in that place, not to, you know, to do that stuff, but you work for money. Your main drive is money, right? That can so easily become your main drive, but we shouldn't be doing that. You should work where you work because you know that's where God has you, not because of the money that you make. You should work where you work because God wants to use you to speak into somebody's life, your boss's life, your coworker's life, the people that you work for, that you, that you serve, their life. That should be your main drive, not the money that you're going to make, not the tips that you get, not the hours that you get, right? Your drive should be God. Money can be easily become a God in our life, right? Another one that can easily become a God in our life is offense. And that's one that we don't realize sometimes can become a God in our life, and we sometimes don't even realize that we have it, right? There's a book by John Bevere called The Bait of Satan, right? And what, is, what does he say the bait of Satan is? It is offense. Because it takes hold in our life, and you make your decisions based off of that offense sometimes. You know, I'm not going to go there because they offend me. Sometimes the things that they say offend me at that church, and so I'm not going to go there. Or I'm not, you know... I don't believe what they, what they believe, and so I'm not going to go to their house because, you know, sometimes the words that they say offend me, or you can hold on to a past offense. And so whenever you go somewhere and you make decisions and you do things, that, uh, that past offense holds a heavier weight than what God is speaking to you and what God is doing to you, right? If um, Jacob, right, is Jacob, Joseph, Jacob, who was jo Joseph, had the many co coats of colors, Joseph, okay, sorry. If Joseph, that, this is one of the examples that John Brevere uses in that book. If Joseph would have held on to the offense and let it become an idol in his life, God would have never been able to take him to the place of authority where he was and where God could use him to save all of Israel. All of Israel. If he would have held on to that offense and let it become an idol in his life. God would have never been able to use him. And he had many things happen to him that he could have taken offense to. His brothers tried to kill him. First, they tried to kill him. And then they were like, well, you know, if we kill him, it's no good for us. So let's, let's sell him so we can make a little money. So not only did they try to kill him, they also sold him. They, they like, were like, this, you know, we're going to put a value on you. You're not, you're not uh, so special to us, but you have a value and we're going to sell you for that value. So then they sold him and then he got, you know, put into prison twice and all these different things. But if he would have held on to those offenses and let them become an idol in his life, he would have never gotten to where God had him, right? God would have never been able to use him the way that he did. Another offense, another thing is the opinion of others. This is one that, if we're being honest, I struggle with, right? The opinion of others can become a God in our life. It can, it, can cause, it can cause us to change our, our decision or our outcome. God can give you a word for somebody, and you're like, well, you know, I don't want them to think that I'm a freak. I don't want them to think that I'm weird, so I'm not going to say anything. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to stay here, and, you know, God will speak to them some, some other way, through some other person. 
or, you know, the opinion of others in the past and what someone has said to you in the past. Whenever God speaks to you and tells you to do something and asks you to do something, the, the thought or the words of somebody in the past, the opinion of somebody from your past comes up in your mind. And you hear that, those words, they spoke over you more than you hear the words that God has spoken over you and what he has called you. You hear the words loser, you hear the words uh, worthless, you hear the words, you know, whatever it is, more than the words worth, you know, uh, worthy, you, more than the words beloved, more than the words loved, more than the words righteous, which is all things that God has called you and all things that he has spoken over you. If you allow the opinions to take of others to take hold over you more than the opinion of God, then that is an idol also. Religion, right? Religion is an easy one. If you, if you let, well, you know, like, but I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I should skip this one, but because I didn't have that many notes on it. <laughs> but religion, religion really truly can become an idol. If you don't allow the grace of God to work in your life, if you don't allow the grace of God to speak through you, then religion can become an idol. You can become so, so bent one way that you, don't, that you miss the grace of God, right? Fear can become an idol in our life. The fear of what is to come, the fear of the unknown, the fear of, you know, whatever it is, fear can become an idol in your life. Your family can become an idol in your life. If you put your family, if you're, you're like, well, you know, my family doesn't really like to go to church. My family doesn't really like to hear, you know, sit through, through everything. And my family doesn't really like whenever I talk about God, so I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just going to stay quiet. I'm just going to sit here because I don't want to offend them. I don't want to make them upset. I'm just going to sit here. Family, your family can become an idol in your life. And then lastly, I think the thing that a lot of people deal with, and I know I personally also deal with, is yourself. If you don't if you don't watch yourself, and especially in this time that we live, you yourself can become an idol because the world is so much about, well, whatever makes you feel good, whatever makes you happy, follow your heart, follow your dreams, follow what makes you feel good, right? But that's not what it is. That's not what is truth. The truth is that you follow, the, you follow God's heart. You follow God's dreams for you. You follow what God says over you, right? Amen? Thank you guys. You guys are talking back to me. I like it. <laughs> okay, so my next point. So my first point was don't have any other gods before me, right? My second point is in God's presence, all things are made right and put in, in order, right? Whenever, whenever they brought the Ark of God into the temple with Dagon, guess what? Things were put in order. That God, Dagon, I mean, can you imagine waking up in the morning, you, you bring this, this ark that, you know, you think is somebody else's, you know, it is somebody else's God, it is God, big G, and you bring it and you put it into the room with your God, little G, and you wake up one morning and that God, you know, they built these things huge, like some of them were built out of gold and they were heavy, they were heavy, right? So it's not like just so easily like you could push it over. You wake up and that thing is like falling over, you're like, oh. And so then they set him back up, right? And then the next morning they come, and not only has he fallen over, but his head is off and his arms are off, right? Like you would be like, okay, I got to get something in order. And that's what the Philistines did. They were like, we got to get this thing out of here. This thing has to go. And they took it to another city. The Philistines moved it to another Philistine city. 
And then whenever it was there, those people were like, no, we don't want this thing here because we don't, we don't want to deal in messing with our gods. We don't want it messing with our, you know, our things that we have here. And it was. It was messing with the way that they lived. And so they said, no, it's got to go. So then it went to another city. And then that city was like, no, we don't want this thing here either. And they sent it to another city before eventually they were like, okay, we just got to take this back to, to the Israelites because it's just messing with the way that we live. The presence of God will mess with the way that you live, right? The presence of God will change the way that you live. It, he will not allow things to continue the way that they have continued, right? And it's not because he's, he's an evil God and he's a mean God and he wants all these things, you know, he wants you to take out all these things out of your life, but it's because he knows the best for you, right? He knows what is best for you. Um, yeah, so Mark 5, 1 through, 10, 1 through 20 is the, is the Bible story about the demon-possessed man, right? And it's the, the man that, you know, Jesus, he crosses, they're crossing the lake, they were in the crowd, and they cross over the lake, and he's like, let's go, let's go over here. And so they cross the lake, and they go over there, and then the, the demon-possessed man comes out of, the, um, out of the cave, right? He comes out of the cave, and he comes running, and he's like yelling at him, and like everybody in this area gets, gets, gets I forget how you say it, but any, everybody in that area was like, of, they didn't like this man. They cast him out because they could not control him. Chains could not control him. Nothing could control him. So they cast him out into the cave, right? Am I talking too fast? No? Okay. <laughs> so they cast him out into the cave. And, when, and so then whenever Jesus walks up, immediately, he didn't even call on this man. This man, when the presence of God stepped on land, on that where that man was, he ran to him. And he, you know, he said, leave me alone, don't do anything. And then God, and then Jesus cast the, well, he's like, well, what do you want me to do with, Jesus was like, well, what would you have me do with you? And he said, cast us into those pigs. And he did, he cast them into those pigs. And you know what, that man was changed. God, Jesus didn't even have to say anything, but the presence of God came and that man came running to him because he needed that change. He needed that change in his life and he needed to be set free. Any idol that you have in, life, in your life are like those demons. They're holding you down. They're chains that are holding you down, right? They're things that are holding you down, amen? They're things that are holding you down and you need to be set free. And just the, in the presence of God, the presence of God, he can set you free from those idols. He can set you free from any of the idols. And I know there's so many more than I put here. And maybe God is speaking to you right now and just listen to him, listen to him speak speak to you and tell you what that idol is in your life because I know that I have some that it's like every day I have to lay them down. I have to lay them down. The opinion of others, I'm not going to let that be an idol in my life. I'm not going to let that control me. The opinion of others is not going to be what I hear. I hear the voice of God more than any other. I put myself in the presence of God and I say, you have your way. And I hear your voice, not others' voices, right? You have to set yourself into the presence of God and he will have his way. He will make all things right. And my third, my third point is that, you know, in this, this story, you know, of, of, uh, of the Ark of the Covenant and of Dagon that I'm telling you in, you know, talking about how not having any other gods before God, you know, sometimes we can see it and think that it's like, you know, like it's, you know, people can think that it's kind of harsh, but the truth is that it's not a harsh story. It's a love story. It's a love story that God has for you because he wants his best for you. He loves you so much that he wants you to be with him. 
You know, if you're in, in the Bible talks about our, you know, a marriage and he, they talk about the church and, and God being a marriage and about how it is like a marriage and God is the, is the groom and we are the bride. The church is the bride. We are the church. You are the church, right? The church is not these four walls. You, pers- you, each person are a church. You are the church, right? Because Christ lives within you. You are the temple of God, right? And so it is a love story for you because God wants all of you. He loves you so much that he wants all of you. He has been waiting and waiting for this day of marriage with you, right? I, I'm, I'm engaged and I'm getting married soon and I'm excited about it. Okay, we're in the woohoo. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, but, and so like, it's like sometimes I'm just like all day long, like I just think about the wedding. I'm like, oh yeah, like I need to figure out like what kind of decorations I'm gonna have. I need to figure out like my colors. My biggest thing for a long time was like tablecloths. It was like a big deal for me to figure out what color tablecloths to have. I was like, it really took me a long time. You can ask my mom. It was like something that we really talked about for a while. But anyways, so it's like, I even told my friends, I was like, I'm sorry. I feel like all I talk about is my wedding, like in the, like my plans for the wedding and after the wedding. And I feel like that's all I talk about. And my, my mom and my sister, they're like, that's all that you're going to talk about until the wedding. And it's all that you're going to think about until the wedding. I was like, okay, I feel more comfortable, but that's how God is for you. What, he is so waiting. He's waiting so anxiously and he is waiting and longing. And it's all that he can think about is his marriage with you. And, and before you accepted Christ into your life, if you haven't, if you have already accepted Christ into your life, it was like all he could do. He was waiting. He was anxiously waiting and waiting. And he was planning and thinking about his life that he got to, he was going to get to live with you. And even now after your marriage, he's like, it's like all that he can think about is that marriage that you guys got to have together. You know, like I, 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 you know, I know that this is not how it always is, but like, I just, you know, I'm just excited to like get to tell people about our wedding that we're going to have and to get to tell people about the marriage that we're going to have. And that's how God is. He's so excited about his life with you and his marriage with you. Right. But in a marriage, in a marriage, there are affairs, right? And if you're married to somebody and you give all your attention to somebody to somebody else, to another man or another woman, right? You give them all your attention. You give them all your thoughts. You like give them words of like affirmation and you give them, can you tell them reading the five love languages? <laughs> and you give them, and you give them like, you give them gifts and you give them all, you know, whatever the five love languages are. Even if it's nothing physical, but it's just an affair of the heart. It's still an affair, right? It's still an affair. And that's how it is with God, Right? If you give all your attention to somebody else, to something else, if you give all of your your thoughts to something else, if you give all your words of praise to something else and you don't give any of them to God, it's like you're having an affair on him. That's what an idol is, right? An idol is like you're having an affair on God and he loves you so much. He loves you so much that he knows that the best thing for you is to stay within the marriage with him, to not go out, to not stray out, but to stay there with him in that marriage. And he wants nothing more than just for you to be with him because he loves you so much. He wants every part of you, just like we were singing today. He won't relent until he has every part of you. He won't relent. He wants every part of you. And my first, fourth point is many times that 
Many times that thing that we lay down and that we set aside, the idol, many times whenever we lay it down and we set it aside, it'll come back up. The enemy will bring it back up to you. He'll bring it back up into your face. And I have a a story that I want to share because it is Mission Sunday, so I need to share some kind of Africa story, right? (laughs) I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, I was in Africa like, I think, I think this was maybe like four, four years ago, and uh, I had been talking to Pastor Don Reed, and we were talking, you know, he was telling me, you know, be careful, because sometimes you can get like, you know, comfortable, and you know the place, and you know that market, and you know the people there, and you're, you know, you get comfortable, and you let your guard down, and you don't watch, and it still is dangerous, even though, you know, like up until this point, people would be like, have you had anything crazy happen to you? I was like, no, not really. Like, you know, nothing crazy had happened to me. And then this day, I had that crazy moment where it was like, this is what people are asking me about. <laughs> but it was like, you know, Don had been telling me, like, keep your guard up. You know, make sure you're keeping on watch. Don't get too comfortable because it is still, you know, a third world. And, you know, things can happen. So you got to be careful. So the next day, I was out at the market. And I was there by myself. And I was... I had to, like, get eggs or something. And so uh, the people in the, the little store, the duca, that's what they call it, the little store that I was going to get the eggs from, they had gone off to the call of prayer. They were Muslims, so they had gone off to the call of prayer. And I was just, just going to wait for them to come back because, you know, I wasn't in a hurry or anything. And so I was sitting down, and I was talking to the guard, and me and the guard were talking, and, you know, I was, was, was kind of off. Like, I, I didn't have – I was uh, – what was the word that I had just said? I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't like, I had my guard down, right? I was just comfortable. I was just there. I wasn't like watching my surroundings and everything. But then I remembered the words that Don had spoke to me. The pastor Don had spoke to me. He was like, you know, make sure you keep your guard up. You got to be careful still. And so I was like, okay, I need to be careful. I know I'm like really relaxed here, but I need to make sure I'm watching watch my surroundings. And so then as soon as I thought that, I was talking with Meshach. That's a, that, that was the guard's name. And I saw this man walking out of the side of my eye. And he was walking real crazy, like, like real crazy, like he was on something. And he was, I saw him walking out of the side of my eye, and I was like, oh, my gosh, please don't see me, please don't see me, please don't see me. And as soon as I was saying that in my mind, he turned around and he looked right at me. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is that moment. And, and you know, he had, like, crazy eyes. He was like, like, he really, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Like, he really had crazy eyes. He was like, and he was running straight towards me. And I was like, Meshach, Meshach. And so then Meshach, the guard, he had to get in between us. And I mean, this guy really was like, he, he was on some drugs. And it, it was like, must have been like the highest of the, like, he was like at the high of the drugs, right? And, and this, and then, so this guy, like Meshach had to stand in between me and him because there was nowhere else for me to go. I was up against the wall. And he had to stand in between me and him. And this guy was like trying to like reach around and get me and like reach at me. And I was like, oh my gosh, please, please leave me alone. And so then eventually Meshach had to like chase him off, right? He had to chase him off. And so then I messaged Sarah. And I was like, Sarah, can you please like send somebody, send JR to come and pick me up. Send him with the car to come pick me up, please quick. Because he had walked off the way that I had to walk home. And I was like, Mm-mm, I ain't about to walk that way home with nobody else to hide beside me. Like, I don't have a machete. I don't have anything. Like, I'm not about to walk that way home. And, and, and like, even like the, the public transportation, like it's all open, you know? And so I was like, I'm not, they're called bajajis. And I was like, I'm not even gonna get on a bajaji because that guy was crazy. He might like reach in there and grab me. Like, I'm not getting on one of those. And so I messaged them and I was like, Sarah, please send JR. And she's like, okay, he's on it. He's going to the car to get to come and get you. 
And so I was like, okay. And then, and then they, you know, they came and they opened up the, the store, but then the guy comes back. He comes back and he like comes at me again. But now the store owner is there and I know the store owner pretty well. So he like grabs me and he puts me behind the counter and he like chases this guy off again with a broom. And he's like chasing him off, right? And I'm not kidding, like, this was one of the scariest moments of my life. I was like, oh my gosh, please just get me home. <laughs> like, okay, I got my guard up. I promise I got my guard up. I'm watching. And so, so anyway, so, so they chase him off. And then I was like, okay, I was like, please, JR, get here soon. And it felt like it was taking him, like, hours to get there. But I'm sure it was just, like, minutes, right? And so, but then as I was waiting for JR, one of the other missionaries drove up and I was like, Miss Sally, thank God you're here. I was like, can you, can I just please wait in your car for JR to get here to pick me up? She's like, yeah, of course, what happened? And as I was standing there on the open, I didn't have my guard up apparently enough. As I was standing there on the open, talking to her and telling her what happened with this guy, this crazy guy coming at me, he came back up again. He came back up again and she like, and thank God we were near to her car and she opened up her car and she like shoved me in there and she closed and she jumped in behind me and she closed it and then locked it. And this guy was like, he was like try, really trying to get at me. Like he was like beating on the doors, like, you know, trying to open the doors. And I was like, oh my gosh, JR, just get here. Cause you know, JR is like a really big dude. And I was like, he could protect me. JR was like, will take care of me. And so thank God by that time JR got there, he parked like right next to to Miss Sally's car and I opened the door and I opened his door and I just jumped in. But then by this time, the crazy guy had gone off. But then I got in the car and guess what, JR? He was like, show me who this guy is. I was like, no, just take me home, JR, just take me home. He's like, no, I wanna see what, who this guy is. I wanna know what he looks like. So when I see him, I can talk to him. I was like, no, JR, please just take me home. I don't wanna see this guy's face again. I know it's like ingrained in my mind. He's got crazy eyes, you don't wanna see him. And he was like, he was like no, I wanna want know what this guy is. So I took him, we drove, and this guy was like walking off by now. He, I guess he got tired of, I don't know. And so he, he was like walking off by now, but, and so I, we drove by and JR saw him. He's like, I remember his face. I know what he looks like, right? And so I was like, okay, JR, just take me home. And so we got home, you know, and then I got past all that traumatic stuff and it took me like a couple weeks to go back down to the market by myself. I was like, I'm not, like that guy's gonna be there. I know it, he's like got crazy eyes. He's watching for me. And so, but so then a couple weeks, you know, went by and I was able to go back down to the market, but then, one year later, a whole year later, right? A whole year later, I had not seen this guy at all after that. I didn't like, I didn't see him at all. And normally you see, you know, you see people, if you shop at that market, you know who else hangs out at that market, right? But I had never seen this guy ever. And so then a whole year later, I was, I was crossing the road with Sarah and uh, like, I did not see this guy, but he came out of nowhere. He, I didn't even see him running across the street, but it was the same dude, same dude. He had the same crazy eyes, except for his eyes weren't as crazy this time. So maybe he was like a little bit lower on the drugs. I don't know. But, and so he like, he like ran across and he stood right in front of me and he just stared at me and smiled. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, Sarah, this is the man, that's the man. And she was, and she just grabbed me and we like just ran across, went, ran away. Cause you know, like we're just two ladies. <laughs> so she just grabbed me and we ran away. But it was like one year later, he still remembered me. He still remembered what I looked like, right? And that's how the enemy is. If you have to flee, because you know what? He's gonna bring those idols back up in your life. Those things that you let down and that you run away from and that you let go of, 
He's going to bring them back up in your life. It may be a year later. It may be a week later. It may be a month later. It may be 10 years later, but he's going to bring them back up. They're going to come back up because that's how the enemy is. He is coming to destroy you and to destroy your life. And he's going to bring those idols back up in your life. And if you're not careful and if you don't flee from temptation, they will become an idol in your life again. They will become an idol in your life again. You have to be careful and be on guard. You have to be on guard. Not like I was that day. I wasn't on guard. But you got to be on guard, right? After that day, I'm telling you what, I was on guard. I was looking for that man everywhere I went. I was like, he's not attacking me this time. I was walking with a walking cane everywhere I went. I was like, he's not going to get me now. You know, I was, or I carried an umbrella. One t- an, another funny story. Do I have time to tell one more story? Okay, one time. I also was carrying our, an umbrella because another time I was with Sarah and we were getting into a bajaji. It's called a bajaji. And this man, he was drunk. He came and he was like, kind of like started running at us. And Sarah grabbed her umbrella and she like did it out. And she was like beating him. <laughs> like, she wasn't like really beating him, but she was like kind of beating him while we were getting in the bajaji. And then the bajaji like ran off. So anyway, so our joke was like, you know, we carry our umbrella with us everywhere we go. <laughs> So I had my umbrella with me everywhere I go. And I'm telling you what, you need to have your umbrella with you everywhere you go. You need to have the word of God planted in your heart everywhere you go because the enemy is going to bring those idols back up and he's going to bring them back up in your life. And if you're not careful, they're going to take hold again. They're going to take hold again. Amen? And so that was, I'm terrible at closing. But let me pray for you guys, okay? Let me pray for you guys. And I believe that as I was speaking that God, maybe God spoke to you, spoke to you an idol that has been taken hold in your life and that you didn't even realize that you didn't even know that you had an offense. You didn't even know that the words of another were, were holding on to you and were taking hold and weighing heavier on your life than the words of God. Maybe you didn't even realize that you had a fear that was an idol in your life. Maybe you didn't realize that there's something that God is speaking to you right now that is an idol and he's asking you to lay it down and he's not, he is relentless. He will pursue you and pursue you and pursue you. He will pursue you until you lay that idol down because I'm telling you what, he loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you too much to allow an idol to take place over him. He allows you too, he loves you too much to to allow you to have something in your heart that's gonna take root and that you're going to allow to be over him because he is more than enough. He is all that you need. He loves you so much. He loves you so much that he waited all from the beginning of time, which is, you know, we don't even know when that was, from the beginning of time until the day that you accepted him, until the day that you accepted Christ. He was waiting all that time, planning and preparing and waiting for you to accept him into your life. All that time, he just was thinking of your love, of his love for you. It was his love for you that draws him, that draws him to you, that makes him pursue you relentlessly. And he's calling you and he's asking you to lay down those idols and to lay down those things and to let him to have place in his heart, to cause those things to fall down at his feet. So if, you, if God is speaking to you right now, if he's showing you something just to yourself, speak to God, talk to God, tell him, I'll lay this down. I'll lay this idol down at your feet. I didn't even know I had it. I'll lay it down at your feet. I'm on guard. I'm on guard. I got my umbrella. I'm not letting it come back at me. 
I got the word of God. I'm not letting the enemy bring this back to my, to my face. Just speak to God. Talk with him. Yes, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. And Lord God, we do, we lay these idols down, Father God. We say, have your place. Thank you for pursuing us relentlessly. Thank you for pursuing us relentlessly. And Father God, we say, come and have your place. Our temple is yours. We want no other gods to have a place above you. You alone are worthy. You alone are more than enough. Come and have your way in our life. Come and take your rightful place. Lord, we lay those idols down at your feet, Father. Lord God, myself, I lay the opinion of others down at your feet, Father God. And I say they don't hold any weight, Lord God, above what you say over me, above what you have called me to do, Father God, above the words that you have spoken over me, Father. As I was, another thing as I was praying this week, and you know, God spoke this to me, I thought, God, this is so simple. It's such, such a simple word. You know, we've heard it all our life not to have any other idols before you. But I just heard God saying, I want to clean house because I want to do something new. I want to clean house because I want to do something great. He's saying that he wants to blow a fresh wind in this place, in our lives, in this church. He wants to blow a fresh wind throughout here. And he can't blow a fresh wind if there's something blocking it. You can't get that fresh wind if you're being blocked by something. You know, in Africa, if we're hot, we move away from the, from the, uh, from the, the buildings. We move away from any walls. We get underneath the shade tree that's out in the open where God can blow, where we can get the fresh wind. And God is saying that he wants to blow fresh wind in this place. He wants to do something different in your lives. He wants to do something new in here. He wants to make a revival flow through here. But in order to do that, he has to clean house. He has to be able to clean house. And he's asking you, are you, will you allow me to clean house? Will you allow me to clean house to take down those walls that will block the fresh wind? So will you allow him to clean house, to take down those walls, to take down those idols that are blocking him from speaking, from moving? from blowing something new into your life. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.